You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health Podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Hello, and thank you for joining us for a mindful moment. There's never been a better time to build your mindfulness skills. Mindfulness not only improves your mental, emotional, and physical well-being, but provides a foundation for remaining calm during stressful challenges and events. Through mindful thoughts and actions, we can do more than just survive life's challenges. We can continue to thrive. The key to becoming more mindful is simply practice. We hope this podcast will provide you with knowledge, inspiration, and motivation. Working together, we can learn and grow from any experience. So, let's get started. Hi, I'm Melissa, Web and Social Media Manager at work to live We decided to mix things up this week, so I will be hosting today's show. I also happen to be a yoga teacher, so we thought today's topic was a great fit. As the days have blurred into weeks, and the weeks into months, it would certainly be nice if the numbers on the scale followed suit. Binge-watching Netflix, online shopping, and food delivery becoming increasingly easy to manage are all new facets of our lives that have not contributed to our well-being. If you are not one of the many who have put on what is being referred to as the Quarantine 15, you may not need to hear this. But for those of you that have, listen up. Yes, it is totally normal. Please go easy on yourself and stop worrying so much. The fact that we are going through one of the strangest periods we are likely to experience in our lives is certainly a valid reason to have perhaps let the comfort eating and drinking get a bit out of control. In fact, Nielsen reports that alcohol sales have gone up, wait for it, nearly 500% in late April for online sales. That is astronomical. And while 60% of surveyed Americans are cooking at home more, 32% are reporting more snacking. I guess I should think about that the next time I take a detour to the kitchen on one of my breaks. I, for one, have noticed a change in my body. Maybe not 15 pounds, but certainly over my normal range. I work from home normally, so for me at least, that isn't the problem. I think the problem for most of us is that we are all in some state of unease. Life is so uncertain right now, and nothing makes us humans more uncomfortable than uncertainty. So what do we need to ease our discomfort? Something that was normal, before our lives were turned upside down. For many of us, unfortunately, that is food. 
While the way in which we are getting our food has certainly changed, the food itself is still, for the most part, a familiar comfort. Add in depression, isolation, boredom. It is definitely understandable that we would be veering away from our weight and fitness goals. If it is something that is truly bothering you, adding to any emotions that you are already feeling from our current situation, now may be a good time to reflect and evaluate what is going on. What changes have you made in your habits in the last six months that are not contributing to you feeling good about your weight or your body? Mindset plays one of the most important roles in our well-being. Shifting your mindset to a positive-based mode of thinking will affect change more quickly than simply following a diet or an exercise plan. Feeling good is not about looking good, contrary to the constant images and advertising we see daily. Body positivity is one of the most important values to focus on. But be realistic about your body. Don't compare yourself to unattainable results. That is the first step in starting to love your figure. Make sure that you are trying to create change for positive reasons. And then hone in on the specifics of those reasons. Are you just trying to fit into a pair of jeans you love? Or trying to get rid of cellulite or pudge just so you can wear a sexy swimsuit? Your feelings of self-worth are definitely going to start to creep in and possibly sabotage your journey. So that may not be the most positive way to look at it. Instead, try reframing your thoughts to, wow, I feel so much better when I eat healthier. Or, gosh, I have so much energy when I am consistent with my exercise. Trying to fit yourself into an image that your mind has created as skinny or attractive is not an effective mindset. Shaping that image around health and feeling good is the best way to achieve your goals. In fact, you may find that once you begin reaching those goals, the former perfect image you had may start to change drastically. This week, Teresa sat down with Elizabeth Benton, a transformation expert who lost over 100 pounds, attributing her success to a major shift in mindset. She is the host of Primal Potential, a top 100 Apple Podcasts, and author of the Amazon best-selling book, Chasing Cupcakes. Through her platform of podcasts, coaching, and live events, she has fueled her deepest struggles into a burning passion to help people create transformations and live more fulfilled lives. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we're excited to have you. Um, you do quite a few things, including a, a podcast. I listened to it this morning. It was really great. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about is uh, we have a coaching certification program here. And so I review the coaching session reports that my students are you know, they're doing practice sessions. And I've really noticed a trend over the last maybe three months, which is a lot of different clients are going to them because pre-pandemic, they were getting in better shape, or they were going to the gym and releasing weight. And now they're seeking coaching because of all the reasons that they're gaining weight, which all seem external. An adult child came home you know, from wherever they were and they eat unhealthy. So now 
the mom is eating unhealthy to bond with the child or their gym is closed. They can't go work out or, you know, all of those external reasons why they're now regaining weight. And I know that you're very familiar with this. They're looking at it sort of externally instead of perhaps looking at their mindset. And so I was wondering if you could share with our listeners what your thoughts are on that. Oh, absolutely. And consistency is something that comes up probably more than almost anything else when I am doing my podcast or talking with clients. And there is this, I'll call it like a misunderstanding about consistency, a way that we get it wrong where people think that in order to be consistent, our lives have to be consistent, our days have to be consistent or said another way, in order to have sameness in our values, in the way we show up every day, there needs to be sameness in our schedule. So if something throws a kink in things, like it's that adult child coming home, or uh, there's a vacation, or any change like that, then we think we somehow can't be consistent. But what I like to differentiate between is there's who and how we want to be, how we want to show up, whether that is how we care for our physical bodies or it's how we work out or it's a pattern of meditation and journaling or prayer. Those things are what we're looking to create consistency with regardless of what is happening in our schedule in our day. So sometimes it's just as simple as, switching the inquiry and saying, how can I still be consistent with this value, with this priority, even though the structure of my day or the people in my home has shifted? What is it going to take for me to still execute in alignment with this value that I have, even though my day is not the same? Do you have a process that you coach people through as to how to do that? One of the fundamental things that we work through is awareness. And I I talk a lot about four pillars, awareness, alignment, advancement, and adjustment. And more often than not, when people struggle with these kinds of things, there's a lack of awareness. Like I'm going through the motions, but I'm not paying attention until after the fact. And compound that with the fact that a lot of people aren't super aware of what those values are specifically. They have a sense of what they are generally. I want to eat better. I want to lose weight or I want to work out more. I want to stick to a budget. But when we lack specifics, it becomes really hard to execute. So I just return every single day to those four pillars with my clients. Great. I know too that you you do talk about cultivating a loving relationship with our bodies, our health, movement, and mindset. How does someone go about doing that? How do they approach that? For me, the first part is letting go of drama. Mm. And I know a lot of people hate that word drama, and a lot of people do not want to identify themselves with drama. Like, I'm not dramatic. It doesn't sound like a flattering thing to be, but I like the way that author Cy Wakeman defines drama. She says that drama is what we add to the facts. So there's what you ate last night, or how much money you spent last weekend, or the fact that you've been inconsistent on every diet you've ever followed or anything like that. There's what actually happened. Everything else that you add, the judgment, the assessment of it, the how you feel about it, anything like that, that's drama. And so when we fundamentally strip away the drama, 
We shift out of the problem so we have more energy for the solution. We shift out of circling around how we feel about what happened so that we can do something about what it is that we want to create, the change that we want to see. But I really think, I mean, we could talk about a number of different things. I think the biggest piece is recognizing drama and then not choosing it. Seeing when you're in it, in your feelings about what happened, in what you add to the facts, assumptions, insecurities, fears, doubts, all of that is drama. Recognize it and move away from it. That's great. Yeah, we do an exercise in one of our workshops where we have them write down a scenario, like a conversation they had or with themselves or with someone else, but every feeling they had, everything that was going on. And then we have them go back and scratch out every word that's not a fact. Mm. And it's quite enlightening because people aren't aware that they're doing it. They don't realize that it's coming from them, you know, so that's great. So now I know you had quite the journey uh, where you had your own sort of awakening I know that you changed your health, you changed your weight, uh, you started the podcast that you do, Primal Potential. So I'm wondering what prompted you, like what was finally the thing prompted you to finally make the change? I mean, I wish that I could point to one moment and there are a couple of small moments that I'll tell you about, but I think the biggest part of it was I just had many decades of being unhappy and many decades of the struggle. And I think to some extent, each of us has to go through our own journey with trial and error, with being really dramatic and seeing how that doesn't serve us, with being more attached to the problem than the solution. And I was experiencing that with my finances, with my marriage, with my weight, with my career. And at the time I was working in a job where I was good at it, but I really didn't enjoy it. And I complained about it a lot. I feel like if you knew me at that time, I was either telling you that I was tired or I was complaining about my job. That was just kind of the only paths I had for communication. It was, it was uh, not something that I look upon fondly. And I was also over 350 pounds, depressed, living paycheck to paycheck, even though I was making a decent salary. I just wasn't being responsible with it. And I heard this quote that comes from the poet Rumi. And it said, why do you stay in prison when the door is so wide open? And I realized that all of these things that I didn't like about my life that I had been complaining about for years, and in some cases for decades, it wasn't happening to me. I was not stuck. I was choosing to be there every day in how I was spending, in what I was eating, in the way I was using my time and my energy and all of those things. And it wasn't like, the skies parted and then everything got easier. But it was a moment of realizing that, you know, there's, there's another line in a, in a poem from Rumi that says like, whoever brought you here has to take you home. And I kind of realized I'm here because of my choices and I'll remain here if I make these same choices, but I don't need any more information. I don't need somebody to come rescue me or save me. This isn't something that happened to me. This is something that I'm choosing. And I am free to choose something very different. And it was a slow journey from there. It definitely wasn't a 180 degree change in my lifestyle, but it was as close to I've ever experienced as a, of a 180 degree change in my mindset. Great. Well, that's fantastic. And I think sometimes a slow change, in a way, I'm kind of glad to hear that because a lot of people, they don't make the change or don't make the attempt until they've hit absolute rock bottom. 
mm-hmm. then it's a drastic change. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Instead of sort of taking the time to reflect and analyze and, and, and really spend that time with self-awareness, trying to identify what's really going on. So that's yeah. beautiful. I know we have a lot of listeners who are struggling, whether it's the shutdown or the pandemic or the economic um, sort of conditions that are occurring because of everything that's going on or the civil unrest. And I know a lot of people feel a little bit stuck. So they don't know where to begin. They know that they need to make changes and, and everything has changed around them, which changes maybe some of their options. Mm-hmm. But when you feel stuck or when you feel like you kind of, you know, you're on a path and then you hit a little bump or a roadblock or whatever you want to call it, do you have a technique or a habit or a practice that you use to help you sort of push through that? Oh, so many, so many. There's a quote and it comes from Bill Ackman and I'm paraphrasing here. This isn't exact, but it says something along the lines of successful people are not successful because of how they respond to success, but because of how they respond to failure. And I used to be the person who with every setback or frustration, things don't go according to plan. I kind of would throw my hands up in the air and be like, see, I can't do it because this thing happened. And every time I try, something gets in the way. And now I remind myself that I have the opportunity in every moment of frustration, in every moment of defeat, in every moment of overwhelm to build that skill of becoming a better responder to a setback. And that that is the most important aspect of success. I used to think that success was more about getting as many consecutive wins as possible and that every single time I didn't have a win, it was like a mark against me, something to be frustrated by or embarrassed of or ashamed about. And now I realize that success is less about that consecutive run of wins than it is about being a little better each time in response to the things that go wrong. So I'm looking for those things. And it doesn't mean I don't get discouraged. I certainly do. But because I've worked so hard on becoming a better thinker, I can recognize, okay, I wish this hadn't happened. I wished it had gone differently. Certainly not the way that I hoped this would unfold. But in this moment, this is one of the critical aspects of my journey to become more successful, more consistent, more whatever. It's all in how I respond to this. So I use questions. When I wrote my book, it's all about asking yourself simple questions to shift out of past patterns. And so I'll say, how can I make this a little bit better? I tell myself, I'm not the controller, but I am the optimizer. I don't control a lot of what happens, but I always have the power to optimize it. How can I make this a little bit better? What pieces of this do I have control over? If I were to respond to this in a better way than the last time I was in a similar situation, what might that look like? What are all of my options here? And I really use questions to bring me to the next spot. Yeah. You know, when the brain is in discovery mode, it really shifts to the hormones we receive. And so I think that that's a a really good advice. Yeah. Much better than the stress hormones. (laughs) Yes. Right. (laughs) Because those don't feel good. (laughs) No. And they don't help our state of being, especially under these conditions when we really don't want to sit in like a puddle of anxiety for eight months or nine months. You know, we want to want to move on and figure out how we live our fullest life. Exactly. Regardless of the external environment. I always ask all of our guests one question, which is basically when you get stressed or you have anxiety, I always want to reinforce all of us do, even those of us that teach techniques to reduce that. When it hits you, 
do you have a go-to? Like what's your go-to when it happens to either re-regulate or to, you know, get, get back into the present or whatever your response is, but what's your go-to? So I guess it would be helpful for me to kind of use a specific, because I get, I experience stress, like you said, on a regular basis. The one that I would say hits me the most is overwhelm. There's too much to do. There's too much to get done. There's too much going on. And the strategy that I use there is I write down all of the things that I'm focused on, all of the things that I feel overwhelmed by. And then once I have them on paper, I'm like, which of these do I absolutely need to address today? And rarely are there more than two or three. Now, the caveat there is I'm not asking which of these do I want to address today, but it's very specifically which of these must I resolve today or else something bad will happen? It often comes up like I start a work day and then something derails me and it's three in the afternoon and I'm totally overwhelmed because I haven't gotten anything done on the list of things to get done. And I've got a prep dinner and I've got an evening webinar. I'll write down all of the things. And then when I ask myself, which of these absolutely must be done today or something bad will happen? There's maybe, maybe one thing, usually zero. Most of the time, what overwhelms me, and I see this in my clients too, are want to do's, wish to do's, things that I put on my own agenda. So I've created this overwhelm by just not being realistic about what I could get done in a day. And then when I realize every single one of these, could be moved to tomorrow. I certainly don't want that to be the case, but there's nothing critical or catastrophic about any of these items. And then I can just kind of step back and realize we just need to shift the time frame here. We have these artificial 24-hour constraints, and when they freak us out, we realize that in most cases we have created it. If it turns out that you know what, we're getting takeout tonight, or this podcast isn't going to get recorded today, or I've got to cancel this meeting. All of those things are totally fine. And then the overwhelm is gone. It's a miracle, right? (laughs) I mean, it's funny. Sometimes it's just these tricks that our brains play on us by expectations that we have set that we just need to adjust. Yeah. 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 One of mine is to slow down. Yeah. So when I'm feeling completely overwhelmed and swamped and under too much pressure, everybody that I know pushes, pushes through, like they try to force it. And I know just to do the opposite, like let go, slow down. It's not the end of the world. And my whole system calms down, but I have to remember to do it. So if people are interested in your podcast or your, the name of your book is Chasing Cupcakes, where can they find you? Where should they go? The best place is the podcast. We've got over 800 episodes. We've been doing the podcast for about six years now. It's called Primal Potential. You can find it anywhere where you can find podcasts. The book Chasing Cupcakes is about creating change in your life by becoming a better thinker and asking better questions. There's over 250 questions in the book that you can kind of use to stop you in your tracks and break into a new way of thinking and therefore a new way of choosing. Or you can follow me on Instagram. That's the social media platform where I spend the most time. I'm at Elizabeth Benton over there. Hey, well, lovely. It was a pleasure speaking to you today. And and I really appreciate all this information. And I'm sure their listeners do too. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
Here at work to live we have all noticed some sluggish and unmotivated behavior, which can certainly be attributed to what we are doing on a daily basis and what we are putting in our bodies. We are all participating in a habit log, in which we are tracking our keystone habits, our exercise, and our goals. Already, we are feeling more motivated, more on track, and certainly have more energy. We'd love to hear how you're doing. Next week, tune in for a live discussion with the Work to Live staff. We will be talking about mindful social media practices and our thoughts on the trending documentary, The Social Dilemma. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay mindful. Life offers too many rich opportunities to just survive it, even during challenging times. Our intention is to support you in thriving through a life of purpose and meaning. We encourage you to meditate every day, be mindful in your daily activities, and please stay safe and be well. Until next time, please subscribe to A Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee wherever you get your favorite podcasts and rate this podcast so that others can find us. Follow us on social media at work to live A Mindful Moment is written and hosted by Teresa McKee. The Spanish version is translated and recorded by Paola Tile. Intro music, Retreat, by Jason Farnham. Outro music, Morning Stroll, by Josh Kirsch, MediaWrite Productions. Breathwork music, Angel's Dream, by Akash Gandhi. This podcast is produced by Work to Live Productions. Thank you for tuning in.